Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Black Hole Sundays. I'm your host, Stephen Langford. Uh, Change of plans. We are going to be rolling out new episodes every Monday from now on. My schedule has changed a little bit, so I'll no longer be able to get these podcasts out for you at the end of Friday. So we'll do it to start out the week. We'll start it out on Monday, and then we'll get rolling from there. So again, every Monday, you can catch these podcasts. Just go to the pregame show tab. The pregame show, of course, you know me there from 95.7. Just go there, search it up. You'll be able to find every single episode Uh, Today, just wanted to give some quick thoughts on the draft. Uh, We had some undrafted free agents that were signed to this team, and I got my four most intriguing undrafted free agents. We'll get to those. They made a new signing in Casey Hayward, and then I'll also have the latest for you with this Aaron Rodgers saga. So going to be a quick podcast today, uh, but it's going to be a fun one. First off, with the draft... How amazing was that? So we had the episode that we rolled out the day after the draft, confused, really. (laughs) Confused was the word I think we could use, uh, for lack of a better term. Because with that 17th pick, taking Alex Leatherwood, the offensive tackle out of Alabama, uh, with that number one pick, it was a head-scratcher. Because there were plenty of guys on defense who could have been taken any of the linebackers uh Mika Parsons obviously was off the board uh taken by the Cowboys but you had certain guys like Awusu Koromoa uh Zaven Collins was the linebacker we talked about him out of Tulsa he was taken actually the pick before against the Cardinal with the Cardinals uh so you figured they were going to go with a guy on defense and Trevon Mayrig was that other guy they went with Alex Leatherwood was a little confused by the pick but then in the second round they traded up to get Trevon Merrig. so really at this point I'm thinking sure you might have wasted a fourth round draft pick But if you got your guys in the first two rounds that you wanted to get, then who am I to hate and say that it's a reach? Because they got their two guys. And the latest that actually came out today on this Monday was that the Raiders had intel that the Ravens were possibly going to be taking Leatherwood. So this was sort of a fight for a guy who... Not many people were high on, but I guess the Raiders found out that there was another team in the Ravens who liked the Leatherwood pick, and they wanted him more, so they took him with that 17th overall. Um, And that's really the story there. I like both the picks, and I'm excited to see what their potential is. As it goes for the rest of the draft, though, it was a little bit of a head-scratcher. 
because they had two picks in the third round. Their first one, the 79th and 80, 80th pick. Uh, they got Malcolm Koontz, the linebacker out of Buffalo, who was primarily an edge rusher and could be used in a 3-4 defense and used as an outside linebacker. But that's not what's going to be happening uh, with the Raiders. And at number 80, Divine Diablo, safety out of Virginia Tech. So they took two safeties in the first four picks. And then in the next round, in round four, they took another safety in Tyree Gillespie out of Missouri. And that's where I kind of started to scratch my head. And I'm wondering, why would you take so many safeties in this situation? Now, last week, Jeff Heath, the free safety who's been working a lot last season, had a few interceptions. Uh, you know, anytime that he was in, we were wondering how he'd compliment Jonathan Abram. Well, Jeff Heath is kind of just a backup safety. You know, good player, but overall he's not going to be the starter. I just wondered why they didn't go with uh, maybe another guy on offense or a defensive lineman. Because... If you're not gonna have, if you're gonna go into this season with, you know, Solomon Thomas and Quentin Jefferson, a couple of veteran guys who haven't really been able to make it in the league, Jonathan Hankins, who, to be honest, last year to me, kind of disappointed, you know, and another veteran in David Irving, I expected them to get maybe someone on the interior or on the outside but clearly they found someone else. It's just when you're taking three safeties in the entire draft, one of which you're hoping to be the starter, then what does that say about the rest of the room in the secondary? What does that say about guys like Carl Joseph? (laughs) You know? I just don't know what the situation is going to be there um, with these picks that they made in the later rounds. And then in the fifth round, you got Nate Hobbs, the cornerback out of Illinois. Then in the seventh round, you got Jimmy Morrissey, the center out of Pittsburgh. We'll see if those names pop up at all. Um, So I I was hoping they'd pick up another lineman in the draft, but ultimately Devon Diablo and Tyree Gillespie, those two guys, when you watch them on tape, they look real good. They look real good, and maybe this is what the Raiders are trying to do at this point. You never know. I mean, it could be like what the Chargers tried to do uh, a few years ago where they just threw out a ton of safeties and just would throw out a dime package no matter what it is and stack eight in the box. Maybe that's the plan going forward uh, with this defense and Gus Bradley. It does give them quite a few pieces to play with, and we know how much uh, Gus Bradley likes to work with those guys outside of the front seven. But um, the fact that they did not take a traditional 4-3 linebacker, I do think says a lot. I do think it says a lot with the faith that they have in Kwiatkowski and Littleton and um, and Nicholas Morrow, but also it has to do with Tanner Muse too, in my opinion. I wonder what they're going to do with Muse, who was out last season and was drafted in the middle rounds earlier that year. I wonder what's going to happen with him. How are they going to use him? Supposed to be a very uh, uh, versatile type of linebacker, speedy uh, linebacker. I do think that this is setting up for something that Gus Bradley uh, wants to do going forward, but but I do believe uh, that Kwiatkowski, Morrow, and Littleton, the pressure's on them now. The pressure's on them. They're the ones that are going to have to perform uh, in this 4-3 scheme, depending on what uh, whatever he wants to do. But overall... I thought the draft was fine. Taking three safeties, you know, I I mean, it was a little questionable. 
I thought they could have used another defensive lineman, but look, they want to go with a bunch of guys in the secondary and also just to have them battle for jobs because you really don't know what's going to be happening with the backups uh, at free safety. So I did like the draft overall. You know, a lot of guys call it, he's a football player. This guy's a football player. He can play anywhere on the football field. But the undrafted free agents, they signed 10 guys uh, to some deals. But here are the four names for me that I find to be the most intriguing in what they can bring uh, to this squad. Number one is going to be Darius Stills, the defensive tackle out of West Virginia. He's six feet, six one. He's listed as six feet, but also his draft profile had him at six one. So he's a smaller guy, kind of like an Aaron Donald type, but 278 pounds. And no, I'm not saying he is Aaron Donald, but he's the size of those guys. You know, Aaron Donald, Geno Atkins, small defensive linemen, short guys uh, that aren't exactly six feet. Not Calais Campbell type. <laughs> but um, Darius Stills. I think has a lot of potential and a lot of upside. And the thing that I checked out, and this was from Vic Tafer on his latest piece with the undrafted free agents, but he opted in to play in the tournament that, or excuse me, into the bowl game that West Virginia was participating in. And the reason that he opted in is because he straight up said this, man, I love football. I love football. And he just went on to talk about how much he loves football. Those are the types of guys that Gruden Mayock love. They don't want they don't want the guys who opted out of the 2020 season, even if it's for a respectable reason. They like the guys who opt in because they love football that much. And I think that Darius Stills, with the depth that they have at tackle and the fact that they didn't even draft one in the in the seven rounds, I do think that that makes him more intriguing. And I'm not. You know, sold on. Uh, I'm not sold on Solomon Thomas and Quentin Quentin Jefferson and Jonathan Hankins. I think that Darius Stills has a very good chance of uh, of making this roster. Six feet two seventy eight. Man, man, what a beast. Uh, number two on my list of four most intriguing undrafted free agents: Devry Hamilton, tackle out of Duke. Um, he can play inside. He played inside at Stanford before he transferred over to Duke. But at 6'6", 311 pounds, and the fact that he is uh, the only tackle that they got, in uh, besides Alex Leatherwood, obviously, in the, undra- uh, the only guy they signed as they were undrafted, I think that he has a real chance to make this team, and not only make this team, but make his way up the depth chart. Because there are some question marks um, regarding Colton Miller and just the the fact that look we don't know if he's the he is the full time starter on this team but we don't know who his backup is Brandon Parker is most likely going to be the backup to the right to at right tackle with Alex Leatherwood in but after that I don't know who it's going to be at left tackle because they don't have any other guys in my opinion um, and I think that Devery. Hamilton could absolutely make his way uh, onto this roster. 6'6", 311, when you see those numbers, I mean, they just stand out. I'm not going to act like I've seen all of Duke's tape, but I do think that they have a pretty good grasp on these tackles and the types of guys that can make it in the NFL, so I'm looking forward to that guy. And the reason that I have four, though, here's the reason that I have four undrafted free agents. It's because there's a 3A and a 3B. I am always intrigued 
by the undrafted free agent running backs. Always intrigued by those guys. Because it feels like you, you, you sometimes don't want to waste a pick on these running backs. Guys get lost in the in the dust. And the reason that you don't want to sign a lot of running backs to big deals is because there are so many of them out there. And 3A and 3B for me, number one is Trey Regis. Trey Regis out of Louisiana, 5'10", 214 14 pounds. The dude is just a thumper, an absolute thumper. And I don't know what the running back room is going to look like after Kenyon Drake. I just don't. Jalen Richard is, uh, you know, he was the third down guy for for us. He was the, you know, the backup essentially to Devontae Booker when Devontae Booker was starting. Then you had Theo Riddick, who was a pass catching back out of the backfield, but he's just a veteran. You know, he's just an old veteran who um, I don't know what his ceiling is anymore. Theo Riddick, Theo Riddick, I always forgot that he was even on the team. I'd be like, who is that number 25 out there? Oh, yeah, that's Theo Riddick. But these undrafted free agent rookies, and look at Jalen Richard as a prime example, they can always show out. And when you look at Trey Regis and you look at, the, you look at the tape, you look at YouTube and you watch the highlights, the dude's a lot of fun to watch, man. And then at 3B, the other running back that they signed, Garrett Groshek, 5'11", 217 pounds out of Wisconsin, uh, originally went on to be, um, tried to be the quarterback and then transferred to being a running back. He backed up Jonathan Taylor. And here's the thing. Here's the kicker for me. He also played with Alec Engold. And Alec Engold is a beloved Raider in the eyes of Gruden and Mayock. They absolutely love him. So if Groshek gets a good word from Engold, I think he's going to get a fair shot there uh, with Gruden and Mayock. So those are the four guys I'm really intrigued by is Darius Stills, uh, the defensive tackle out of West Virginia, because I think he has a real chance of not only making this roster, but going pretty high on the depth chart considering who they have at defensive tackle right now. Devery Hamilton, I think he'd easily be the backup left tackle if uh, if he ends up making the team. And then either Trey Regis or Garrett Groshek, just because, look, I love running backs out who are undrafted. I really do. And when you you eventually insert them into the roster and they have these training camps and we watch them in the third and the fourth quarter, I think they're a lot of fun. And there's uncertainty with running backs to me is exciting. So we'll see if those two guys can translate. But those are my four uh, undrafted free agents that I'm most looking forward to watching. What a throw by Matt Stafford. I call that the turkey hole. Don't ask me why, but... All right, moving on, Casey Hayward. Casey Hayward, the newly signed Raider. Now they signed him to a year-long deal that could be worth up to $4 million uh, in incentives. And this is really... Just Hayward's last call here before maybe A, he either retires and is done with football, or B, proves to himself, you know, kind of like the Jason Verrett types, that he still has some more left in the tank and that any other team uh, should be willing to sign him to a multi year deal. But he came over, started out with the Packers, and then it was obviously uh, with the Chargers starting in 2016 up until now. And he's been working with Gus Bradley, who's the new defensive coordinator. And I just got to say that overall, I like the move. I like the move. If you were going to have to give me a choice between Sherman and Hayward, well, I could look at both of them and say that, you know, they have the same, uh, they have the same strengths, but also I could say they have the same flaws. You know, on the other side of 30, 
might have lost a step um, in how quick they are, but they still both have a high IQ. And my question is, who can be the better leader out of those two? And I think that Casey Hayward needs to step up right away. Now, no, he, he doesn't need to be the starter on this team. Certainly doesn't need to be the starter, but he absolutely needs to take on a role where he can teach these younger guys, you know, whether it's Trayvon Mullen, Damon Arnett, completely blanked on that one, Nevin Lawson, who's currently your starting slot corner, Amick Robertson, who's backing him up, hell, Jonathan Abram at safety, their new guy, Trevon Merrick, they need a veteran cornerback presence. And I think that he can absolutely start in the slot day one, but he's not as young and has as much upside as Damon Arnett and Trayvon Mullen do, who are going to be playing on the outside. I just think this is a low-risk, high-reward move. And the fact that he's worked with Gus Bradley, understands his defense, and knows what to do, I think bringing in that voice into the locker room is going to be nothing but beneficial. I'm liking these moves that the Raiders have made on defense, man. I'm not going to lie. You know, sure, I just mentioned earlier in the draft that hoped maybe they could get a defensive lineman, but for the most part, these additions that they've made, Yannick Ngakwe on the edge, I think he's gonna he can be a pretty good player, depending if um, the Raiders can keep his attitude in check a little bit, which has seemed to be an issue with these other teams. Max Crosby coming off the edge. Their linebackers, Corey Littleton, appears to be in good shape. Nick Kwiatkowski and Nicholas Morrow, if they could stay healthy, I think they're pretty good linebackers. If Jonathan Abram and, is, uh, and, and Trevon Merrick can complement each other, and we don't just have Jonathan Abram focusing on, uh, on, on being a cover type of safety and instead can play up in the box... I'm actually looking forward to what this defense can do, man. And they're, 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 it's impressed me so far, the moves that they've made. Now we just need to see uh, what happens on the field. This magnificent scrambling, creating offense is uncommon. It's just, it's just unbearable to watch. <laughs> I hate watching this guy. He's, uh, he's fun to watch, but he's really not fun to watch when you got to play against him. But moving on to the offensive side of the ball, and this guy has – been in the conversation with everybody, and you're going to need to beef up his def- beef up the defense if you're going to be playing him in Denver for the next few years. But Aaron Rodgers trading away from Green Bay, it seems like it's becoming more and more of a likely scenario. I still don't believe that it's going to happen. I, I that I'll say that on the front end, I don't believe that a Rodgers trade is imminent because. There's been so much stuff coming out about how they're not going to trade him, but as long as Brian Gutekunst is the GM, then he's not going to play. The most likely scenario to me, and this was the same with Deshaun Watson, is that he's just going to hold out. He's just going to hold out until the team actually makes a move. But, you know, if if Rodgers holds out, I don't know how much leverage he truly has because they just got Jordan Love that's going to come in and, Maybe try and get a head start on what is supposed to be a benching for the next couple of years while he learns under Aaron Rodgers. But to me, I wonder what the offers are, and it looks more and more like the Broncos are the number one suitor just because of what they can offer to him. But I will say this. I will say this. I, you know, I've talked about how I don't think he's going to be traded this for the past two minutes, but... 
look, if the Raiders can package Derek Carr and three first-round picks to take, take Aaron Rodgers, I'm going with that all day. I'm going with that all day. And the reason that the Broncos are ahead of the Raiders as far as um, just trade possibility goes, trade prospects goes, is because they have more pieces to trade away that aren't as vital to their team that the Raiders do not have. They have uh, more draft picks. They have a cornerback in Patrick Sertain that they'd absolutely be willing to trade. I don't know what the value is of these guys right now. Plus, for Aaron Rodgers and the Broncos, they got Jerry Judy, they got Noah Fant, they got Cortland Sutton, some good uh, some good ca- uh, ca- uh, pass catchers there. And the Raiders, well, they got Henry Ruggs and John Brown and Darren Waller. And Darren Waller, to me, is the only guy that I would not be okay if they involved him in a trade. You could take anyone else. <laughs> you really could. In my opinion, hell, I'd even be willing to trade away Josh Jacobs in this scenario. Um, I've talked myself into that. I love Jacobs. I love everything that he brings. But if you're telling me they could trade away Jacobs and Carr for Aaron Rodgers and a few and a few first round picks, I'd be down to take that. Especially with the contract that they just gave to Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake certainly isn't the same running back, but they have depth at that running back position. And Aaron Rodgers can make up for it. He hasn't had the best running back room in the world with Green Bay. So I'd be down for it. I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't even think Aaron Rodgers is going to be out of Green Bay. But I think the way that they've handled it and the way that it looks like for the Broncos right now, it seems like they're the number one contender to land Rodgers. And I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. And in which case... The Raiders are going to have to beef up their defense and and just hope for that secondary because that'd be that'd be brutal. That'd be brutal if they uh, ended up if Aaron Rodgers ended up in Denver and you'd have to play him twice a season. I wouldn't want to do that. I really wouldn't want to do that. All right, that's going to do it for me. Thanks so much for tuning in to this podcast. Remember, new episodes every Monday now as opposed to every Friday. New episodes every Monday. I am Stephen Langford. You guys have a great week, and let's just see what else happens with the Raiders, and let's just hope Aaron Rodgers doesn't go to the Broncos. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Have a great week.